the no the Nolan episode is due soon, so we need to get cracking on. Right, he's got seven films. Chris Nolan, he's got. We did. This don't already, look at me. This, I'm not gonna know. <laughs> Wait, one that uh, one that nobody remembers at the beginning. Eleven and the twelfth coming out. Uh, I was about to say seven, Simone. I was about to go. I know he's low. I don't like him, but he's I got did three think he... Batman films. Obviously. Yeah, <laughs> three of his seven films of Batman. I'm I was tired. Like... Leave me alone. What? This is definitely going to be the intro bit. (laughs) Yeah, 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 there we go. Hello everyone and welcome to the Phantom Zone, your comic book reading club. My name is Chris Buick and I am joined once again by my good friends and fellow comic book lovers, Simone and Ian. How are you both? I'm well, thank you. Yeah, not nice bad. To be, nice to be back. Yeah, it's, it's been a while. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. It, it has been. It's been a hot minute, as the kids say. <laughs> yeah, and literally it's been a hot minute. Dude. I cannot <laughs> survive anymore in this heat. I'm yeah. not built for it. It is oh, ridiculous. It is bad, isn't it? It is yeah. bad. And, yeah. you know, everything else going on in the world. And then he decided, let's just turn up the temperature as well. You know, Ooh, let's, climate let's change. Yeah. End amazing. days. End days. No, I'm joking. <laughs> End days. Uh, private joke. Um, anyway. <laughs> read, read Book of Revelations. You understand. <laughs> yeah. A good heartfelt romp. Um, <laughs> well, this week we are here to take a look back at a modern classic in comic book adaptations, a little film called... Scott Pilgrim versus the world. But before all that, we have Simone. Nerd news! Amazing, as always. Um, We've missed that. We have missed that. My interpretations have been like heavy metal versions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, your 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 attempt wasn't bad, Ian. But it's it's, (laughs) you know, like many sequels, it's not as good as the original. Yeah, Um, thank you, Chris. No, you're welcome. So we have two bits of nerd news today. One coming out of Comic Con, Mm. uh, which happened. Last week? Two weeks ago? Two two weeks ago. Two weeks time, ago. Time is meaningless. Time is right meaningless, now. yeah. <laughs> uh, there was so much news coming out of Comic-Con, but one thing we did see was the Dungeons & Dragons movie that is coming out, Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves, Ooh. which, you know, I'm not sure how I feel about it. Guys, no. how about you? I mean, it I looks... Should- so- I enjoyed the trailer. I thought the trailer actually... Um... Seemed. Yeah, yeah, I did. I think it's got. A, I mean, it's got a hell of a cast. Yeah, yeah, got, great yeah, cast. Great really cast. cast. It looks. It looks fun. Yeah, Tra- the trailer. The thing is, though, with trailers, as we've learned, I mean, this this is the issue. Like, it does look good, but trailers can be very deceiving. Very That's true. the thing. And at the, I just have reminiscent of the original Dungeons and Dragons, film, uh-huh. mm-hmm. which I think we 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 have a lot of for our listeners. You have a lot of things to look forward to in our future of of what the Phantom Zones products are going to be. Because we, we've taken a short break, but we've in that break come up with a lot of ideas. And we may be discussing that down the line with maybe some yeah. uh, some social lubricant of drinks, you know. Social lubricant? The of drinks part was very crucial to that. Yeah, I, I really <laughs> did that as I said it. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I need to specify what I mean by that. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we've got, we will maybe be discussing that one down the line, and that's not that's not a good film. It's not a good film, is it? Like, it is. It's not. It's, no, not. it's not. And I, as I I've 
been playing D and D for the last still seven years. Yeah, so me and is Tim that, both that, play as well. Yeah. It, well, um, I was going to ask how how do we feel about Dungeons and Dragons as a game, and how do we feel about it being because this isn't obviously video game adaptations are generally panned. This is mm. uh, tabletop RPG being adapted. How do we feel that will work out? Um, I mean, I love Dungeons and Dragons. The group that we play in is really fun. And I think something that makes Dungeons and Dragons kind of like its own thing in comparison to, say, other board games slash RPG games is that it's everybody's own world, right? Mm. Like, our friend has built this incredibly detailed universe where, you know, he's built this entire map, he's drawn it. And I'm sure you also have been in a playgroup like that as well, where somebody's created their world and has put a lot of time and effort and love into it. Mm. And I think that's why people love Dungeons and Dragons so much, because it's their own universe that you can explore. And I think when you have an adaptation of that, you're kind of removing a part of the imaginary. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like with Lord of the Rings and with Game of Thrones and these other like fantasy settings, they're already pre-written universes. Whereas this is your own with Dungeons and Dragons. And I think you're going to lose something of that by doing an adaptation. Will it just be uh, another fantasy knockoff sort of film? Lord of the Rings, light, you know? Yeah, I, I'm inclined to agree with that. That is, I mean, that's 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 what we all, that's why we all, you know, participate in Dungeons and Dragons is because it's us exploring this like playground-esque world. Mm. Um, and, you know, you create your own characters and, and that's, part, that's, that's part of the fun of it. It's not watching somebody else but that being said i have watched other parties online and yeah. watched their stories and that too can it's be true actually really yeah. yeah really really entertaining and i don't know whether it i mean is it just uh i'm guessing it's just you know it's just a, a D world mm. um but yeah i it depends what the story is i mean i i enjoyed the trailer i thought the trailer was good yeah, yeah. I enjoyed the chat, but and I agree with what you guys are saying. D and D, the whole magic of D and D is it's a world you and your friends build together when you're playing, and the world is always building and always moving and always you're you're creating a narrative between yourselves. And I've been, I so I, I run a campaign and my friend runs a campaign and we basically have um, we switch when it gets to like a cliffhanger point and then we'll switch to the other campaign. But it's the same group. Oh, awesome. So building a world, it's obviously, there's a lot of detail and a lot of stuff that goes into it and no two D&D campaigns are the same. Mm. And that is part of the magic of D&D. And I do think, how does that translate to a two hour film? Mm. You know, mm. I think they've got things in there. They've got they've got gelatinous cubes in there. They've got Elbear in there, which is great. You know, all the staples of D&D. I just wonder, and you guys can tell me what you think, obviously with the success of stranger things and the D and D references mm. in that is this some, and as you mentioned, Simone, there are t- uh, shows on online and that, for example, critical role and high rollers, yeah, those kind so of shows. Good. Critical role is great. Critical role. Oh God, we need to do a podcast on critical role. It's so good. Uh, it's so it. funny. <laughs> uh, I love those guys. Um, I went to see them at Comic-Con. Did you? Yeah. Uh, they were, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Matt Mercer is such a handsome man. Um, anyway, I'm digressing. Please, please, please come on our podcast. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah oh, wow. Um, yeah, I know. That's a big, that's a big ask. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that's, but 
I think they're are they trying to tap into the I guess the zeitgeist of D and D being especially since pandemic as well. It's massive resurgence in games where people mm. can come together and you can play it online now through various means. So mm-hmm. do you think it's just trying? It may sound a bit cynical, but trying to kind of capture the magic at this moment when D and D is such hot topic. Yeah, totally, hundred percent. Like I maybe it is that I'm just massively cynical these days. Uh, this is what the world has done to me. Uh, but <laughs> I, I. I I mean, isn't it all like that, I guess? I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, though. Like, yes, it is doing that, but I don't think necessarily that's, like, bad. You know, like, uh, all of our favourite sort of Marvel films that we watch, and look, all three of us love the MCU. We've talked about it so many times, and we're going to talk about it again. They're all taking advantage of the fact that, like, comic books are a really popular medium that is, you know, now transcended into cinema and being incredibly successful. So I think it is, but I don't necessarily think that will mean it's it's going to not be... It's cynically made. It probably all films have an element of cynical nature to it, but, you know, because they all want to make money, you know, at their bottom line. Mm. So... I think, yeah, probably it is. Go, you know. go with the trends, you know? Exactly. You know, there's a reason why it's trendy, you know? And and hopefully that does lead to a successful film. I think just the most thing I'm nervous by it is what I mentioned before. You know, D&D isn't like Lord of Rings. They're different. They're quite very different in the way mm-hmm. that they're put together. Um, but now that Simone brought up that we watch, you know, you know, plenty of different YouTubers and also in, even speaking about comic books, you know, some D&D games have been turned into comic books, which is great as well. Um, so, yeah, maybe it would work. I don't know. But yeah, I think it is cynical, but that doesn't mean it'll be bad. Yeah. Uh, Simone, do you do you think it's just trying to capture that moment? Because obviously, like I said, with Stranger Things, it's trying to do maybe capture that because and like ian said the studios tend to go with what's popular at the time there was a whole uh, still going on spate of 80s nostalgia when stranger things came out as well so i think i think i think maybe yeah do you think so of course yeah of course it is i mean it's it doesn't necessarily as ian said doesn't necessarily make it a bad thing um it's it's i mean if it's good i will be overjoyed and if i if i watch it and i i enjoy watching it and I think it's a compelling story, then that's going to be amazing that more people will be exposed to Dungeons and Dragons and the world. And, mm. you know, if it can be a positive representation of that, that's, did, that's, that's amazing. Just um, out of curiosity, how did you guys get into D&D? Uh, we were bored in lockdown. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I played D&D as a kid a bit. So when I was very young, um this isn't quite like it it is part of dungeons and dragons but they had a board game that you could actually buy like an actual physical board game i know a lot of dnd yeah, yeah. is not that but i remember distinctly as a kid and it came with you know it was like a beginner set and you got bugbears and all that sort of stuff so i played that a lot as a kid and then as we got older uh, i didn't really play it but i'm into like lots of nerdy stuff and then as Simone said during lockdown i think i mentioned to a friend of ours who Oh no, we played D and D. No, it was before lockdown, wasn't it, Sim? We played with Mel. Well, we, our we played. We pl- We did one sort of like short campaign. Who may be joining us in the fantasy zone um, down the line? You know, just with saying. a friend. Um, <laughs> and that was that was great. And then obviously during lockdown, we got a group together. Yes. Um, yeah. And, and we history used similar was made. characters. So <laughs> yeah, we had like some characters we had made before in that one shot. So me and Simone kind of just kept those ones, but changed the stats. What and were then, your characters? Mine is a dragonborn monk who recently has lost his name due to a pact he's made with like a sorcerer in like an underworld sort of setting. So nobody can remember his name, but they remember that they're friends with him. Um, so he's lost his his name. 
and I'm a high elf ranger who um, recently lost their entire family and their family home and is uh, out for vengeance. Yeah. Wow. And the two, we we go on like adventures as a as a group. Uh, we also have uh, a gnome who's a warlock, which is hilarious. And um, Mel's character is an orc who is a um, rogue. And me and uh, Mel's character, my dragonborn and the orc, kind of have like a love hate relationship. They're friends, but they really don't like each other and they don't really trust each other. But they're very close friends and protect each other. But they also but, don't like each other. Well, no, you don't trust Mel, but that's a different. That's diff- that's the story for a different time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's those kind of dynamics that you know make D and D what it is. Exactly. And I'm hopeful, and I hope it's great. And if it's great, awesome. I'm looking for. I'm obviously going to see it. I'm looking forward to it. I'm just a bit. I'm just wondering how that kind of translates across. But they do have. They seem to have the you know the classes in there. Some of the tropes. Some of the you know iconic bits of D and D. So. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I mean, hopefully, my my worry is that it will become reference, 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 and just a fantasy film. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see. We'll be back to visit it at some point, I'm sure. And uh, we we should get a a, a one shot session going at some point. I'd love to do that. Yeah. A friend of ours wanted to do like a giant dungeon one shot. That's the dungeon always exists, but different parties can go and try and defeat the dungeon in a one shot. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. We'll sort that out. It'll be cool, man. We should record it as a special. We should. <laughs> yeah. Listen to the Phantom Zone team try and defeat the dungeon. All, all audio, no visual as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Working our improv skills. Yeah, uh, yeah. So our second and final piece of nerd news is a bit sadder. It comes off the back of Warner Brothers deciding to shelve a lot of their upcoming mm. projects as they attempt to move away from HBO Max, which apparently isn't working for them, while they try and reassess where they're going with that and DC and all their stuff in general. And as a result, they've cancelled Batgirl, which is a bit of a shame. Yeah. 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 I, so, Chris, clarify for us. Is there a specific... Because I know some stuff hasn't been cancelled. Do we know why specifically Batgirl is a part of that lot? From what I understand, uh, the they weren't f- completely happy with the finished product, mm. and yeah. the screenings so far have been quite negative. Um, so obviously the the news broke that Batgirl was cancelled uh, last week, and um, since then there has been leaks of certain pictures and films, and the backlash to how it looks is quite bad as well so i'm not saying they were warranted in what they did it just seems like they didn't want to go ahead with it because given the spotty record of dc films over the last while that they Hmm. weren't they basically just want to reassess how they're going to go forward to try and do something like marvel have done um because they don't really have a steady kind of stream of films coming out if you know what i mean yeah So, um, the f- and from what I understand, the film is finished and done. It just seems weird that you wouldn't just put it somewhere. You yeah, know? I mean, mm. it, it. I mean, from what I've heard, the um, from the focus groups, the feedback has been pretty diabolical. Mm. But to shelf <laughs> to shelf a film just based off the focus groups and not even try to like do a couple of reshoots 
you know, salvage it. I mean, there must have been so many things that ended up. I mean, on the it didn't start them releasing Suicide Squad, did it? Uh, I big, was about to say, also, big facts. You, you <laughs> took the words out of my mouth. I was about to say, I remember focus groups telling us Batman versus Superman was amazing. What did it? What did focus groups know? <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's particularly DC focus group. What's going on? I know. Good God. I think if the feedback is that overwhelmingly negative, there mm. I can understand why Warner is about like not scared but nervous to release a film with that much backlash already. Mm. But then to just not release it at all, I feel for all Weird, the people involved in the film. I mean, Simone, you work in the film industry. You know how many people work in that kind of and just to have everything they've done just be like nah we're not doing it yeah I have heard from a few people that worked on the film that kind of feel like it's 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 such a waste you know Mm. so much heart and soul was put into this project Mm. um and a lot of people in the industry we do what we do because we love what we do and then not to even have the final project for you to watch back at the end it's just it's been completely it's shelved no one's ever going to see it heartbreaking well well I'm skeptical, skeptical hippo that nobody's ever going to see it. Particularly with DC films, there's a trend of like, release this cut, mm-hmm. release this. And perhaps tinfoil hat time, the focus groups have been so bad, they've gone, oh yeah, we're cancelling it. But then that creates a, hu- a cre- creates? creates a hype to get people to want to watch it. Maybe it's really good, and the focus group was just full of Marvel fans. Like Kevin Feige was in the, Kevin Feige's in the room. And he's just like, no, no, it's terrible. Yeah, boo! Uh, <laughs> do, you, do you get what I mean? Like, I, I understand that. Yeah, the, I mean, like, the, that, that, the that does whole happen. Release Snyder cut thing became a huge, like, rolling monster that was not stoppable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. It. Yeah, I think I think you. I don't think this is. I don't think we'll never see it. I just think it might be a while. I just I'm more confused than to why they wouldn't just put it on streaming or something. I'm also very confused with like why like I know you've explained why this one, but like why not other ones? So if the DC if DC and Warner Brothers are trying to sort everything out, which I kind of get, you know, but the Batman released was really well received, and maybe they're reassessing everything to be like, okay, right, that did maybe. really well, and now we need to follow something more like this then why are they keeping Flashpoint? Which I also do think could fix stuff, but there's a lot more reasons to get rid of Flashpoint than there is Batgirl. Yeah. Like yeah. Ezra Miller is, there's some real messed up stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So why are we not going, right, well, we should probably reassess, should yeah. we keep doing this? If there's a pecking order, it should, that should be higher in the pecking Way order. Way higher than Batgirl. Because Everybody on Batgirl seems all right. Well, well is Joss Whedon still directing? Well, uh, well, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I had to stop myself there. I was like, uh, well, but you know, I'm re- I'm reading now on the news article, but things like Harley Quinn and Titans are also looking to be cancelled. They are not. They are well received shows. They are doing not bad. So the fact yeah. that Warner Brothers decided they are not worthy either, I don't. I just don't know what's going on. That's really weird. That's really strange. Because I really enjoy Harley Quinn and Titans. Yeah, it's funny. It's really it's funny. funny. Yeah. It's great. Um, I just don't understand why you get why rid of get... those. Now, Harley Quinn doesn't make sense either because that's a cartoon. That's not really like a part of the set universe, is it? Like... It might be that they're stopping it. It's, it does say here they might be stopping it while they look for an alternative to HBO Max while Warner Brothers launch their own streaming service. Uh, They've really made a mess of DC, haven't they? 
Yeah, well, I think this is because they keep. I think that they've said a few times over the years that they're going to reset and do it again, but they just don't. <sighs> I still don't think that's the way to go. Like, I don't know about you guys. Maybe Simone or Chrissy have a different opinion, but. I don't want them to just do what Marvel's done. No. Like I like that the Batman was its own thing and we're going to have its own little universe and I don't I don't need cuz we, we it feels again you guys can correct me but it feels like the three of us when we've watched the recent outings of the MCU they've not been quite what we've wanted from those projects. And I think there is an element of DC can maybe or Warner Brothers I should say can jump on perhaps the feeling that we and other, I'm sure, comic book slash film goers have that we perhaps are getting a fatigue with Marvel. DC could provide a different option by doing something really mm. different where you have unique one-shot looks and alternative universes and different weird stuff. And instead, they're just kind of like, oh, we got we to gotta reset again and try again and do a big overarching DC universe. The DC, what they called it? The DC? DCEU. <laughs> The E stands for eh. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. (laughs) No, I agree. I agree with you. Like, it's, we we all have, I mean, so many people I know feel the same way. It's, it's, it's fatigue, but they're just clearly, they're, they're chasing money. It's, it's the, it's not about quality. It's back to what we said again about trying to capture what's hot at the minute and obviously superheroes, superhero movies were so, are still so popular that I think DC have been trying to, they've been based, they've been playing catch up for a long time mm. and some of their films are good, you know, the last, the Suicide Squad film was good and the Batman was great, <laughs> um, but you've got, for every one of those, you've got uh, the other Suicide Squad or Batman v Superman or, you know others that i want name and shame because we've done that already but yeah. um yeah I, th- I agree i think something different give us something that we aren't seeing in the mcu or anywhere else and go with that i think that is what the batman was really wasn't it? yeah like it's not like the mcu it's gritty it's quite dark but it's also not like the other batman films it's obviously a little bit like them because it's batman but i think it gave us something different and i liked that you know agreed Agreed. 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 All three of us agree. <laughs> so I guess we'll see what happens with uh, DC going forward. Uh, I'm I, I, just to finish off on that. I'm upset at this cancellation for two reasons. Mm. One, I believe this was going to be the first film filmed entirely in Glasgow, which I'm very upset about, <gasps> and I, I don't want it to reflect poorly on my home, my home city. <laughs> uh, also, Michael Keating was coming back. I as know. Batman. So the you know. Photo. <laughs> the photo i've seen the photo and i was like oh, no can you just release his bits yeah I don't need context. it's a montage <laughs> yeah uh, uh, i still i said we've talked about it before but i still think they should do if they are resetting stuff and just give michael keaton the biggest truck of money and do batman beyond with michael keaton as batman yeah. oh okay. yeah that'd be sick there you that'd go so there you go warren brothers do that just we sorted us. it for you. We yes. really could sort this for you, man. We really could. Our rates are reasonable. Please contact <laughs> <Yeah>. us. <laughs> At this stage, they are. Like, they At really this stage, are. Yeah, we're, yeah. I mean, I'll set up for a nice dinner, to be honest. <laughs> uh, um, so that is our nerd news for this week. And it is now time for our main event. 12 years ago this month, one Edgar Wright seemingly had enough cornettos so took it took it upon himself to adapt one of them 
the more unique comic books of the 21st century and yeah. brought us Scott Pilgrim versus the world, the film. Um, you guys rewatched this last night. Yep. Uh, so it's pretty fresh in your hands. I rewatched yep. it at the weekend as well. Uh, what do we think of the film? Ian? Interesting. You came to me first. Uh, I, I'm not sure if maybe I've become more cynical in life. You're you know? so cynical. You are so cynical. So cynical. I am out of the three of us. I'm definitely the cynical one, aren't I? I'm just like everything's just like. Eh, eh. I don't. I'm not sure if I liked it as much as I remember, but I certainly didn't like it as much as the comic books. Like I, I remember those comic books really well. They're on my hey, shelf. Dude. If Simone looks to her right right now, she'll see them. I see um, them. You see them. There you go. Um, th- they they are like great. I really, really, really mm. like those comics. And watching this, I think it's it's broadly good. It's broadly good. Like I'm not. It's not a bad film at all. I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, it's really disappointing. It's bad. But but I in my mind's eye, perhaps it's like you know the way you uh, have nostalgia for things. I remember loving this film. But now I'm just like, yeah, no, it's good. It's good. Like it's good. But the comic books. I loved so that, that I can get into that a bit more because I don't want to go off on a rant like I usually do. But that's my take on it. It's broadly good, but not as good as I remember it. Okay, interesting, Simone. I still had a really good time watching this film. I do, I think it's broadly good, broadly great. Um, I was surprised at how much I w- watching it back now as a grown up. Because the first time I saw it, I was a teen and I watched it in the cinema when it first came out. Um, watching it back now, I really don't like Scott and I don't like Ramona either. And it gets to the point where I'm just like, well, you guys can have each other and nobody really cares. Mm -hmm. Like, I just want knives to be happy. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I, that sort of really sort of tainted things to me. I was like, God, he's not a great person. But then, I don't know, I've been thinking, I've been musing on it all day. And now I'm sort of thinking maybe that's the point. No, it's I, definitely the point. It is de- I think you're right. I think it's definitely the point. I think I, I, so I, I love this film. I think it's broadly great if we're going on that scale, and <laughs> which I, which I love. I love, broad- I love that scale. It's, it just covers so much more options. Yeah. Um, but I think it's broadly great, and I think contrary to you, Ian, I've gone the other way. I think I've grown to love it more over the oh, years man, than yeah. I have. Um, to the point where it might be my second favorite Edgar Wright film. Ooh, so, what's your first? What's your first? Uh, probably Baby Driver. Although yeah, fair, Baby fair. Driver is currently uh, a gallery of people who now are wrongins. So it's kind of <laughs> so many. It's kind of like it's kind of like if I turn if I wake up and Jimmy Fox has done something, I'm like, right, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the I can't one be doing it. That you could take from Baby Driver is that Kevin um, Spacey does get killed in it. He does. Yeah, he does. But um, I obviously <laughs> I love the Cornetto trilogy. I do. I did enjoy Last Night in Soho as well. Um, it's probably my least favorite of the Edgar Wright films. That one, mm. but that's that's still I still enjoyed it. You know, it's a high bar. Um, but Scott Pilgrim. For, for me, just there's no other film like it that I've. Yeah, in terms of comic book adaptations, mm. it's it's like the most comic booky adaptation yeah. that I've ever seen. Um, but also a video game adaptation at the same time, and it's just got tons of stuff going on. I do agree though, Scott is. Uh, I'm gonna have to take this out. Scott is, a d- and um, <laughs> Ramona is a cold. It's kind of cold individual. To it's you're not really rooting for them as a couple. 
And I do agree. I feel at the end of it, Knives is the one that you're kind of like, I ho- as long as she's okay, I'm, I'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. No, sorry to jump in. Sorry. I was just, I agree with what you were saying. And I think that's why I think the comics are better. Because they are, like, Scott is still, again, you'll have to edit this out, a d- in the comics. But he has far more of, like, a completive arc in mm. the comics. Yeah. Because you have six volumes to really expand like his character Ramona is far less cold like way less cold and also every side character has their own little story as well and they get to explore that I felt watching it I said this to Simone when we were watching it it felt really rushed to me that's what it felt like to me that it felt like we were trying to get through this all of the X's as quickly as possible let's get to the end let's get there and that's what something I was like Oh, I don't like how rapid this is. Now, I, I do agree with you, though. It, it's totally unique. Yeah, I think so. I think, going back to the Ramona thing, first of all, I think mm. partly the reason Ramona in the film is so much colder is because there was an, an originally an alternate ending to the film mm-hmm. where Scott ends up with knives. Mm-hmm. And um, to kind of tailor for that, they kind of made Ramona, Mary Elizabeth Winstead's Ramona, a bit colder so that you would feel less upset that he didn't end up with Ramona. And I feel Mm -hmm. like some of that bleeds into the film we do get, Mm -hmm. which is, and you're right about the comics. The comics have so much more backstory and context about who Scott is and who these people are that obviously can't fit into a two hour film, but does kind of pad out the characters a bit more. So yeah, I think I I agree with you, Simone. I think Scott is not the, he's not the hero you're necessarily always rooting for. Mm-hmm. And Ramona is not the the girl that you kind of their relationship's not the one you're written for. It's knives and I guess the other people in the film that you're kind of written for. But do yeah. you feel that you lack because they do more focus on Scott and Ramona and they're not very likable in the film, that you kinda like you do as you say, the other people should be like you want knives to do well, but you don't really get as much time with them. You know what I mean? And I that that's something that like not bothered me like oh this isn't good but certainly I agree with both of you that they are not likable and you end up, and that is the point but because you don't have a lot of time to explore the other characters I felt like I wasn't really invested in them but I know in the comics they are far more likable and far more like particularly Scott by the end you realize like the reason the way he is is like Mm. he doesn't really remember stuff and there's a lot of weird stuff with Gideon that they do not put in the film Mm. interestingly enough though they were they they were written at the same time and the film script was written before the comics finished Mm -hmm. so it's interesting like the writer got to maybe be influenced by the ending of that film other than, rather than the other way around, which is far more common in adaptation. Mm. Mm, um, yeah. yeah, I just felt I didn't like them and because we didn't get time to spend and develop other characters or even get to see them complete their journey that we do in the comics. I kind of felt a bit empty at the end. As someone who hasn't read the comics... For what me, are you doing, Simone? Go read it. <laughs> I'm so busy. With, <laughs> as someone who hasn't read the comics, I don't feel that sort of like rushing that you do because obviously you have this you know wider background that you can draw upon so for me I don't feel like pacing is an issue I feel like that's something that you get with Edgar Wright's films they are kind of they're fast paced they are that you know it's a lot of like whip pan transitions and it's, it's fast and it's it's high energy and I really enjoy that and I enjoyed the the visual 
Oh yeah, it does the visual really of good. that oh, yeah. in the film, yeah. you know, of it like actually looking like you're you could you could you could splice this up and like make it into its own comic book version. I mean, it of, is a comic book. It I know, co- <laughs> but its own comic book version of the comic book. I know, I'd be, I'd be. You know, it, you know what I mean. <laughs> Don't be so obtuse, and you know. So I, I enjoyed that, and yeah. I've kind of forgotten where I was going, but sorry. <laughs> the visuals, the visuals are really good. I, like I, the vegan I, I, bit, the vegan guy. Yeah. Oh yeah, so good. yeah, yeah. Odd, I, great. I, I feel like there is as much story told visually in this film as there is through the narrative and the script, yes. and obviously it's done. And then obviously, um, Simone, you absolutely should read the comics first of all. They are amazing. That's so, that's but when so you funny. when you read the comics and you see the film, you see how Igorite uh, has. Um, Use those in his style to really mm. accentuate some of the points. Obviously, all the black captions, all the little, yeah, the literally line for line stuff. You know, even the panels line up. You know, a lot of it is, and that's what I love about it as well. It's very, I love is very faithful to the comic, and a lot of it is not just like, oh, we've taken this idea and we've made our own. We no, it's literally, I'm going to use these bullet points from the comic to go this is how the this is how the story needs to be told in that way mm. so i totally love the visuals as well it for that reason totally amazing the visuals are great like i we mentioned todd but when he goes to hit todd and todd like freezes him yeah. that is awesome and everything goes black and yes like, that's really good i was like that was it's interesting you talk about like it being exactly like the comics in places which it really is actually for all me being like you know there's bits that are completely like the end is very different which Mm -hmm. i i don't dislike the ending of this film either i'm not like oh this is a really like bad ending it's just a different ending it's like it's not going to be like game of thrones where the ending of game of thrones is terrible we don't talk about that (laughs) (laughs) the books are going to be way better um but like they're both good in different ways and like in the film it is far more centered on ramona being like the main crucial thing for gideon whereas in the in the comics ramona's not actually even there and like until near the end of the final fight and we realize Mm -hmm. like yeah she is part of the the picture of gideon but it's not like a big overarch it just happens to be that he wants to control ramona you know what i mean i don't want to spoil too much for people who haven't read it because you should read it but the the endings are quite different um But it feels, it's interesting you mentioned the bullet point thing. I think that you're going to hate me for this, but I do really like it, but it does feel like an abridged version of the comic books. I get some of the bits from the comic books. I get like, there are bits that are exactly the same. They do things really well, but there's just huge chunks that are missing and I know they're missing. So I'm watching it and I'm like, oh yeah, they've just completely jumped a whole arc. And, And because of that, there's bits that don't, for me anyway i know simone you won't have that feeling because you you haven't read the comic but it doesn't make as much sense to me and there's bits i'm like well like with the sex bomb arm and them getting the the gig and them in the comic there's huge bits about them recording an album and breaking up and then new bands forming and stuff yeah you know there's there's a lot more there so it's like an abridged version of the comics it's still good but it's a light version yeah, you're right. There, it, it is, and I, I'm inclined to agree with you. It is an abridged version of the comic, and you know, obviously, you've got the whole backstory of Scott and Kim is in the comic, which yep. explains yeah, a yeah. lot more as to why Kim hates him. Hates him. <laughs> um, I mean, we get we get shades of. Oh no, there's yeah. so much more. In I know. The comic I can. Though. I can, and I can appreciate that, but 
you know, I think this this comes down to um, the debate of adaptation versus source material. And what what was that intake of breath? Yeah, <gasps> is that me? <laughs> sorry, I was sorry. I was just I was just about to agree with you. Actually, that I actually... shocked. <gasps> <laughs> I apologize. Um, no, I was just sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you so <laughs> so verbally. Um, I I, to- I totally agree. This is about the adaptation, and I think yes. While there are obviously elements missing, this is could possibly the best an ad- an adaptation you could probably get. Yeah, from the source material. Um, so yeah, I think I think Edgar Wright does a fantastic job. I I I don't agree. I sorry, I agree with Simone about the pacing. Um, I don't find it um, that quick, um, but that's only because there's a lot going on in the comics as well. I always yeah, I think yeah, he hits all the narrative points he needs to do. I think that um, you know he gets a lot of the important stuff in. Um, so yeah, I think generally, I think we're all generally quite positive on yeah, the film. It's a good film. Um, it's a good film. But yeah, um, Simone, you should read the comics. They're absolutely you should. Great. They're so yeah. good. I mean, um, is is, is no, Scott? <laughs> I was going to judge. Is is Scott as much of a? Sorry, you're going to have to bleep again. As much of a in yes. The is he okay? Yeah, but you have more context. To yeah, it. you get a lot more explanation on why. Like, and and by the end, he is not at all like he. Is okay, really so he kind of has, but I I mean, but you know, with with this film, um, you know, and making both him and Ramona such, you know, Im- imperfect characters, which is very realistic of mm-hmm. people trying to overcome personal struggles to get together. Mm. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it, it makes it very real that... I- I I, I I agree. I, I was just about to say, because um, you've, got, you've got plenty of films where, you know, both parties are perfect for each other. Oh, they're or both they're, so witty. They're, they're so and... It's like, no... <laughs> Some sometimes people aren't, you know, perfect, yeah. and sometimes, yeah, you know, they're they have people have rough edges, and you're mm-hmm. not gonna you're not gonna like them, um. But you know, at the same time, not every film can have people that you think are absolutely likable from start to finish. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Scott does go on an arc in this film, um, maybe not as much as he does in the books, but he does go on an arc, so he does end up in a different place as Ramona, less so, but a little bit, but. <laughs> You know, um, I think he does get that. I think it's just wrapped up a bit quicker and tighter in the film, obviously, for time reasons or narrative reasons. But I do think, yeah, you're right. Those people aren't perfect. And that's that brings a real realism to the film, which is great. His two things. Firstly, Chris, every time we say, if you can get the <laughs> if you can get the noise from when they're they're swearing in the film. Oh be, yeah, that actually would be brilliant. If everyone is when they're swearing in the film, I would actually give you a round of applause. That's fantastic. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> um, but here's a question: going back to adaptation, and uh, again, all positive with this film. I think there are some things that we'll discuss that maybe haven't aged as well, but like it's still very entertaining. Um, but here's a question: I guess for how I'm feeling with it as it not being like, oh yeah, I love this film. Is with, you know, adaptation, the source versus the 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 adaptation of it, can you go too close to being exactly like it that you then are inherently forever going to compare it to it? 
So, you know, the Marvel films don't go exactly like the comics. They have enough of the comics there, but they do their own thing. But when it's something like as close to the comics as this is, which, again, massive credit to Edgar Wright for doing that. And he definitely... There's things that I really love in terms of, like, its visual adaptation. As you say, like, the one-up with his life when he gets an extra life. Um, something I always think they dropped out is when he gets the skateboard in the second... Yeah, yeah he gets the skateboard. The a little bit skateboard. Of a, yeah, a little bit of a spoiler spoiler. He get he wins a skateboard after beating the second uh, X. Uh, but he didn't have enough skateboard skills as a kid, so he doesn't get that prize. And it's a really <laughs> funny bit in the comic. He's like, oh. <laughs> um, but is it, because it's so close, do you think maybe people like me who are a bit too pernickety um, are inherently always going to then compare it exactly like the comic book if it's this close? Uh, Simone, do you think there's you could be too much of an adaptation? I mean... I guess it's just that there's always going to be that comparison. There will always be a comparison between source material and adaptation. I just, I, I look at, okay, completely off tangent, but going on a tangent here, but like I look this at- This is going to go on a big tangent because I've I, got points for this as well. We've got, forget the film. This is a bigger thing now. <laughs> I, you know, I look at the, the Harry Potter films and as mm. somebody who grew up with the Harry Potter books, I remember going to buy, I believe it was- the Half-Blood Prince, I queued up for it and then went to a screening of it Order of the Phoenix or Goblet of Fire or something and just being so disappointed. Just fan. being so disappointed <laughs> with the film and being like this, they, they are doing their own complete thing. They're not, there's so many things in the story True. that- Half-Blood Prince is one of the worst films actually, I think, because it doesn't adapt the book very well. Yeah, and there's so many things in the story that, that make- the story makes sense yeah. of like, you know, why Harry has to stay with the Dursleys and the films do not cover that at all. Yeah. No, and it, it, for me, it leaves it hollow. And mm. I do not like those films. But somebody else that hasn't read the books can watch it and have a completely different experience. It's interesting as well. We are going on a tangent here. This is going to be, this started off as Scott That's Pilgrim fine. I've got, yep. I've, got, I've got points as well. Can yeah, it's become a discussion <laughs> about adaptation. Another, re- but then I guess the flip side of that is when you go exactly like the original. Now, this mm. isn't obviously literature, it's film, but the remake of uh, Psycho is one of the worst remakes ever made because mm. it is a shot for shot remake of the original. Like it is like exactly yeah. like yeah. it. And it's weird and it's not good. And uh, that's totally not like Scott Pilgrim versus the world, by the way. No, I do but really it's like an adaptation. That. But it's like one itself. that's gone too close. You've mm-hmm. gone too close. And that's yeah. where Scott Pilgrim actually, I was saying to Simone, what I do like about the adaptation here is that there's things that the comic book does that are inherently comic booky, And there's things that the, the film does that are inherently filmy. Like in the comic, when he meets Ramona, he compliments her on her shoes, which look like Mr. Men's shoes. Yeah. And that's a great bit in the comic. Whereas in the film, they have the whole bit about Pac-Man and they also show a drawing of Ramona being just a blank face with like wiggly hair. Yeah. Very more of a film thing that they can do. So I like that. But is I guess my point is sometimes if you go too close to being exactly what you're reading or remaking, you end up just being like an abridged or lesser version of that original. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think 
I think you can be too close to sort of you know, the the cycle remake is a, is is actually a really good example of that. It's like why why who thought that was a good idea? <laughs> um, like, also, but, Vince Vaughn is yeah uh, yeah. God. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't dislike Vince Vaughn, but no, I, but really I, I was just like, why would I watch this version when I've got the original version? literally shot for shot and much better <laughs> than this it doesn't make sense mm. um but i do i do think that you need there's you're damned if you do you're damned if you don't you always get people who say oh you didn't do enough or you did too little uh, mm. you, you did too much you know um totally agree with you on the half-blood prince uh, the order of the phoenix one yeah, uh, yeah by the way right. um <clears throat> yeah um for the record the best harry potter book is goblet of fire and <laughs> Best, best film is Prisoner of Azkaban. But yeah, yeah, best, best film is Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah, I think, I think, gen, I think actually, while we're talking about adaptations, that might be one of the better adaptations in terms of oh yeah, the really Harry Potter good. books. Yeah. Um, but that that kind of hits all the right notes as well, and has its own little flourishes, but hits a lot of the right notes and um, keeps the kind of feel that you had when you read the book. And I think generally that's what Edgar Wright does here. Yeah, I now that we're talking about this more, this is actually a really good like subject of adaptation. Now I'm talking about this more. I think I thought of an example which shows like an abridged version of something which is way worse. And this is an and Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is an abridged version of a source material which is still really good. It's just if you ha- I think it's interesting. I've read it, you've read it, you love it, Chris. Simone's not read it, you really like this film. It'd be interesting once you read it, Simone, where you'd sit. Um but an adaptation which became an abridged version of the source material, and it was trash. But <laughs> was um, the Last Airbender? Oh, that was yeah. awful. We awful. couldn't. We, I couldn't finish it. It's awful, and it's awful because it's an abridged version of the the animation cartoon, which is amazing. It's one of my favorite cartoons ever. I watch it once a year, and they abridged it to be just like a quick whistle stop tour of season one. And it's terrible. It's terrible. Whereas this does an abridged version of six volumes, which is a lot of material and still does a really good job. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And I've convinced yeah. myself on the other. <laughs> it's a great film. I love yeah, it. He's come around. He's come around. <laughs> um, what do we, so you mentioned the end, some things haven't aged quite as well. Oh, uh, oh here we go. Oh, I think Simone go. knows what I'm about to say. Well, here we go. Right. Ooh. Do you want to expand on that? <laughs> do you want to go into that? Um, it's, it, it's not racially sensitive at all uh, to knives. Uh, I think the most egregious one is Gideon at the end just using a really bad racial slur, which I don't really want to repeat. Yeah, yeah. I watched it on God. Saturday and he said it. I was like, oh, I don't remember that one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Not okay. And there's some other ones. I'm like, mm, I know they're in the comic, but maybe you shouldn't have put them in the film. Uh, and Simone, you picked up on just the general... I fetishize, guess, fetish- fetishization yeah. of her. Like at the beginning. I mean, it's one thing that... I mean, it, it, it's twofold. So there's the whole, oh, he's dating a high schooler. Ooh, he's dating a he's a twenty two year old dating a seventeen year old. Yeah, the the whole actual premise is a bit, or the what? opening premise is a bit like what? Okay. Because <laughs> if you recommend this film to someone, and that's the and literally the first line is Scott Pilgrim is dating a high schooler, and you go, 
Oh, <laughs> why have you? What are you asking me to watch? <laughs> <laughs> what is this? <laughs> yeah, that's that. Yeah, that that whole that whole thing. Like, no, that relationship is not okay. Not okay in any way. And no. then you have when he's talking about her and being like, oh, and she's she's Asian, and they're like, wicked, nice, yeah. and it's like, what, guys, come yeah. on, we're yeah. better than this. But yeah. maybe 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 as a society we weren't. Yeah, so obviously the film and the books are um, of a quite a few years old now, and we've obviously moved on. But even then, I think some of them were close to the mark. If well, actually, they were just not not okay. But um, there are, yeah, you are. There are a couple of runs when he's breaking up with knives. He said he mentions a couple of things that are relative to her her her, her race. race. Her background, yeah, it's just mm. like. Why is that relevant? I just don't know why it needed to be in there. But um, and you're right. There's a there's a lot of um, you know references to the fact that Wallace is gay that don't need to be in there. I don't think. I feel like mm. there's just a lot in there that's I know is referenced in the comics, but probably could have been left you know, by the wayside. Yeah. yeah, I think the comics as well talk about Wallace being gay quite a bit more than the film. Mm-hmm. Like the film definitely does it, but the comics. Uh, they reference him being gay a lot more. Like he is a lot more. Um, what's the word? Um, I, Wallace is a great character in the comic, but he is like they just don't do any depth to him being gay, do they? They just are like you no. know, he's stereotypical in the comic. He's a stereotype mm. a lot of the time in the comic, and you're okay. like, yeah, that's not aged well. <laughs> I think the only like because I remember watching when we watched it yesterday, and like I said. What was it that I said? I said something along the lines of like, why is he, why is, why is Scott so interested in Ramona at this point? Like her only factor is like, that she's, she's white. Like, is that, is that what it's, it's very, about? It's, it's very early on you said this because he's dating knives. They're having a great time. And I think this also actually is sort of what I was saying about the detriment to the comic versus yeah. the film here in the film. And it, and then Chris, you, totally highlighted the point in the film was it was going to end with him being with with knives so in the film he and knives just seem like a really spot-on couple they like the same stuff they do the 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 ninja game together and they smash it um and at the end when they beat gideon they beat him together rather than ramona um and, and it's meant to be like oh yeah they're great the ninja game together they fought together they should be together um and in the film, Ramona is—he's basically infatuated with her because he, she was in his dream. And as you say, there's nothing else there. They don't have any other conversation. There's no previous engagement. There's nothing like that. Uh, and I get what you were saying. Like the only difference, the only reason he would want to date her. I completely get what you were saying when we were watching it, Sim. That you were like. Well, she's white and that's the, there's no re- other reason because they don't have anything in common like but it's, 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 what was the reason what, what was, was the reason, reason? <laughs> I, I, I'm inclined to agree the whole premise for Ramona and Scott getting together for me from the film perspective is very much a, uh, okay we'll date okay. yeah. Uh, yeah. it's like okay she just said yeah because he asked her to and I was like but she doesn't really know him, you know. I mean, if you ordered, if you asked out the person who delivered your Amazon packages, then that, you know, you'd be, they'd be like, mm, "What?" 
but you know, it just it kind of just <laughs> comes together really quickly. Yeah. But in the and comic, I for remember no context, it yeah, being that she wasn't as keen on him. Like, like there wasn't he. In the, the scene at the party kind of happens because he's like, I saw her at the party, and she's real. This person at this dr- the, in my dream, and I I need to speak to her. I need to know what the hell's going on. But I got the impression it wasn't like I'm infatuated with her. I must date her, and it kind of just happens. Mm. And she is way more likable in the comics. Like she is actually genuinely like quite sympathetic and likable, and you get to know her a lot more. And I do think that's a detriment to the film. Actually, I do think that's something that the film massively lacks. Ramona oh. by the end is not really that much changed. She's exactly the same. Well, yeah, like um. I can't remember the quote because it was late last night, but even Knives says something to that effect, right? Mm. She's just like, oh, she's this 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 white woman. Like, I don't... Yeah. But that is that... She was I hope that bathtub. is what the quote was. Uh, she's just this white woman. It's, 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 it's when she's dying her hair. I can't it's remember when she's dying her hair, yeah. Yes. The dying their hair scene. Yeah. She's having her tirade with her friend who looks completely over it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great. But yeah, you're yeah. right. That yeah, that moment as well. Yeah, you're right. There isn't much to go on apart from, oh, she's white. So yeah. you know, yeah. It's... So, yeah. so, also... I hope they're happy together. That's all. I hope that. <laughs> I hope. I hope Knives has a fulfilling, happy life. Well, that's what I hope. If you read the comics, you'll be very happy then. Yes, you will. No spoilers, but you will. Also, if you play the Scott Program versus a video game, you will. That that whole thing we're alluding to. Oh, and the cartoon. The video game's great. But the the video game is more of an adaptation of the comics than got anything to do with the film. But it does carry on what we're alluding to, which you'll be very happy about. Again, there's weird stuff that they changed as well. Like... Roxy is defeated by giving her an orgasm, essentially, which I don't think has aged really well. Like no. it's a bit weird. And in the comic, again, a little bit of a spoiler, Simone, that kind of happens, but not with that character. And it also isn't as well, it is still weird, but it's not as like weird. It's that sort of fight between Ramona happens with Envy rather than Revo- uh, Ramona, uh, rather than Roxy. And Ramona and Envy have a fight. And then Scott's like, her only weakness is the back of her knee. And then he pokes her in the back of the knee oh, to yeah. make her collapse. Whereas in the film, it's that, oh, her weakness is that she orgasms from being touched in the back of the knee. And that's Roxy's weakness. Whereas in the comic, they cut out, uh, in the film, they cut out a whole character from the comic who helps Scott defeat Roxy. I think that's something that like the film definitely is more focused on Scott alone. Whereas in the the comic, every time he beats one of the exes, he's doing it with a friend or yeah. somebody from who wants to help Scott. And it's more about he under in fact, one of the big things he, he doesn't get the power of self worth, he gets the power of understanding. Understanding, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he 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 uh It's the same kind of narrative yeah. beats at the end, but it's just slightly extended in the comics. Than and I think that's why I prefer the comics. The film is good, but the comic, I feel you get to really immerse yourself because yeah. it happened. The comics time span is like months, isn't it? It's almost like a year. Whereas mm. the film is a week. Yeah. Is that right? Like that. Yeah. 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 It's still what? good. It's still good. What, still, what do we? It's still good. It's, still, it's only a little airborne. It's still good. It's, it's still good. Oh, it's gone. Um, 
What do we feel about the other characters, the casting, all the characters? Because you've got a lot of people in there who weren't necessarily big names at the time, but are massive names now, yeah. including a few Marvel heroes in there. Yeah. Also we, some DC heroes. Some DC heroes. Yeah. Uh, what do we think of the casting in uh, in general, Ian? Yeah, good. Like, I tell you what, I think, you know, everybody is exactly what I would... Did You know, like, my problem with the film is not necessarily the casting or how it looks. It's just that it's abridged. And that's fine. It's still good. But but why I still think it's really good is because the, the actual choices of actors are great. Mm. Like, they're so good. Like, even... um Oh, it's Nicole Culkin's brother, isn't it? Kieran. Yeah, he is really good as Wallace. Like, he's exactly how I would want somebody to be as Wallace from the comics. Like, it's still like that bit where he opens the door to Knives and, like, my uh, um, uh, Scott. Scott jumps through the window. It's like, he just he left. He just left. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's really good at delivery. And when he's with Crash and the boys, uh, which is shame, shame the Crash and the boys don't turn up again because they do in the comics and they're yeah, great. Yeah, but. Yeah um when he's shouting at them i'm like that is exactly how i wanted him to be in in as a as a performance so that's great obviously the big one is uh brie larson oh yeah that that's a big one again awesome as envy it's a shame we didn't get to be with her more because again way more in the comics and that's the thing that makes me sad i think maybe it's that i think everybody's so good that i would have wanted to have because in the comics, all the B-side characters have their own arcs and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And all the casting is great. Like, all the casting is so good. And what's-his-face? Oh, the actor who plays Superman um, as Rife. Todd. Yeah, he's so good as Todd. Like, he's great. And obviously, uh, Chris Evans as well is is just amazing. Um, as yeah, he's... Number he's two. Number two. Number two. Lucas Lee. <laughs> Lucas Lee. He's so good as Lucas Lee. I even said to Simone, I think he might be. I do like Lucas Lee in the comic, but it might be the part of the film that I think is actually better than the comic. You know what I love most about Chris Evans as that character is when they did they did the um the tenth anniversary read through this year last year Mm. yeah last year yeah and he actually turned up just to do his bit because he had to go and do like something else but he literally still turned up to do his bit and he you could just tell he loved every second of being that character and you could tell when you watch it that chris evans was just like yeah this is i'm having a great time yeah (laughs) i love it he is better i i do think lucas lee in the film is better than lucas lee in the comic i think it's great like all the doubles is hilarious yeah Simone, what did you think of the cast? And what do you think of Michael Sarah as Scott? Do you think he has the right kind of... I mean, he's, he's, yeah, he's, he's that sort of, like, awkward... He's got the, the right sort of amount of awkwardness, I guess. Um, mm. I don't know what Scott's... I don't know too much about what Scott's like in the comic, but, yeah, I, I he does kind of have a um, a, a punchable face. <laughs> well, I was going to say, does does Mike does Michael Sarah fit that kind of oh, Michael Sarah? I know, jeez, oh man. Um, well, but... I think it's it's been it's it's been said before. I'm not the first person to say this. What's that um, movie where all the celebrities are playing themselves and it's the this end of the world? The end. This, this is, is the, the end. end, and he's playing like this sort of douchebaggy, you know, young Hollywood actor. And it's like, yeah, I could see Michael Sarah being like that. I'm sure he's <laughs> lovely. I've only heard good things about him as a human. But he has that face. 
Yeah. So I haven't pulled this out of nowhere. He's like, he's like, he, he is that kind of guy that just seems to be like all like bad things would just happen to him, like <laughs> just wrong place, wrong time kind of guy. But I do feel he has that streak. Uh, not him as a person, because like like you said, I've heard he's a very lovely guy. You know, he's got that kind of he can flip it to the point where he's like, oh, look, he's harmless, but actually no, he's been all yeah. the time. So. Um, yeah, and you, you see you you see shades of it, like yeah. when they yeah, they have like in the movie there are some really sweet moments that between him and knives. And then you also have the moments where Kim's like, if you know, you know, I I I'd punch your face. Yeah. Something like along those lines. Or was it if your life had a if face, I would, face had punch I'd punch it. it. <laughs> yeah, that is also that is a line. That is an yeah, actual that is line. So good. If you Kim, said that to somebody, I don't think they'd know what to do. Kim has some of the best lines. Like, salt you the, it's got you to salt the earth. He goes, thanks, Kim. Sorry, I meant scum of the scum earth. Scum of the earth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love he still goes, thanks, Kim. Thanks, Kim. <laughs> uh, is, is there anywhere else for you, Sim, that stands out that we haven't discussed already or anyone you want to kind of elaborate on? Um, I love the the musical sequence with the Clash at Demon Head doing oh. Metrics Black Sheep because oh, that is such a great song. Yeah, the music in this is just great anyway. Oh, the yeah. sound, I want to get on the soundtrack in a minute, but yeah. It's, yeah, that that is such a wonderful, a wonderful scene. And yeah, Brie Larson, Brie Larson could have been a rock star in another life. Oh, for life. sure. For sure. And she plays such an amazing, like, it, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I mean, do you want to beep it again? We can beep it. Again. <laughs> I, I was, was going to say she plays a really great. I was <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think of a, a more toned down version of that word. Well, um, we've gone with it now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she she plays she plays a great. She really does love it. Mm, yeah, she does. And I but, really hope you can use the bleep from Scott Pilgrim for this, Chris. It would be so good. Oh, we're going to see what I can do after this. Um, <laughs> But yeah, we did obviously that Black Sheep by Metric is yeah. such a great song. I love that song. Um, the music in this film, I think, and it's something Edgar Wright pretty much nails in most of his films. Mm. Um, the music in this is great. I mean, some of this, uh, obviously, they've got the band Plum Tree in there, who's so where Scott Pilgrim, the name Scott Pilgrim comes from. Uh, you've got Metric in there, you've got Rolling Stones, Beck, all kinds of people. I mean, soundtrack's great, right? Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. It's so good. As you say, it's Scott, Pil- it's Scott Pilgrim. It's Edgar Wright to a T, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, his, his his films always have amazing soundtracks. And, and the Sex Bomb music is just yeah, fantastic. I, yeah, I mean, do, what, Sex Bomb are, they're not a great band, but they're not a terrible band. It's I mean, just I'd like, listen to them. I'd listen to them. Yeah. I've got, but... I've got two of their songs on my jogging playlist. Like, no. I... <laughs> nice. 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 I love that they really, I mean, it's, it's more of a joke, but it is in the comic, even though they don't, they don't finish it how they do in the comic, which again is fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I know this whole, this whole episode's going to be, God, Ian really bloody loves that comic doesn't it um but i love that they do crash in the boys like two second songs like i really love that they get that down yeah to it's so, so good. sad <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah the music's so good it's just like i i think like as i say i do really enjoy this film and i think my only like hang up of it is that i love the comic but the the thing that raises the film is that you can't get the sound from the comic and the comic is obviously like it does have music involved but as you as you probably well know chris it's far more like video game references i know the film has video game references but the comic is packed full of them but one of the things i liked in this 
musically wise. So in the comic, you have games references visually, but I love Legend of Zelda's music is yeah. in the background of mm-hmm. some of the magical scenes when you're like going into the undergrove in Legend of Zelda. Uh, I loved that. I was like, that's such a nice, and clearly Edgar Wright went, well, we can't do exactly what the comic does because it's its own medium. Yeah. Let's bring into it its own medium musically. And they really, really hit. That's a home run, the music. Uh, yeah, it absolutely is. I, um, not to sound like a hipster, but I bought a vinyl of the, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I bought the, because they released the um, limited edition vinyl for Scott Pilgrim where they, you could buy it in one of three colors. It was either blue, purple, or green for Ramona's hair. So I got that and uh, um, it, it takes, like when you put the vinyl on, it takes a minute to actually lead into the first song, which is We Are Sex Bomb. And then you just crank it up really loud. It sounds amazing. And then you just play it through the, through the whole way. It's so good. Awesome. My, my neighbors probably hate me, but you know, it's, um, <laughs> I, it's, it's, it's absolutely worth it. But yeah, the... And also in the comics, you can play along with the with uh, Sex Bomb because they give you the chords at the top oh, of cool. the yeah, um, top yeah, of the comic. So when they're playing their songs in the comic, you can go like, "No, you can play along." And it gives you the chords with the lyrics, so you can play along if you wanted to. Um, but cool. yeah, um, so let's finish up with some um, favorites. Um, so, do we have any favorite moments, Simone? What's your favorite moments of the film? Uh, favorite moments is. Oh, I love that opening sequence where um, it's Knives watching the band yeah. for the first time. Yeah. And cool. they have that dolly shot where it, just, it pulls back and it's just this really long uh, That's room. a great shot, yeah. Yeah, love that. Uh, Ian? Oh, sorry, Simone, you got any more? Um, yeah, keep going, Simone. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's my favourite moments in the film? Oh, when... Uh, is it Lucas Lee? Yeah. Uh, the Lucas Lee sequence very yeah, the, whole, the whole fight sequence the yeah, whole yeah, the fight sequence i mean to be fair the fight sequence in general like throughout this film are phenomenal is that the best fight sequence though um <sighs> do you mean choreography or like comedy? i mean just in, just in terms of entertainment value i guess more than anything but chore- chore- choreographically that's a word that's the word <laughs> right yes um <laughs> i know words um <laughs> Um, choreographically, I think with the whole switcheroo of the stunt doubles and stuff, you know, the Lucas yeah, Lee yeah. one's pretty cool. Yeah, like you said, Simone. Uh, obviously, it's got Chris Evans in it, who's great. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't love him? Yeah, I know. That's true. Um, and like I say, I think he's just literally not having it up, but he's like going to the nth degree of his book because he's just having the best time. And he's just, <laughs> he's just like so fun to watch. I wish he was in it more, to be honest. It was like a longer sequence. But yeah, that's that's a great sequence as well. Any others? No, those. I think those are my... Oh, wait, no. The, the music sequence with Brie Larson yeah, being amazing. Of course. Yeah. That's yeah. a great one. Ian? Uh, yeah, probably some of the similar ones. Like, as you say, I think I personally would agree. I think the best X battle sequence is probably with Lucas Lee, not because it's maybe the best choreographed. Like, I actually think the final fight scene is very well choreographed. Mm. Um, but I just think it's it's all in all one of the best because it's hilarious. It's so well done. And, you know, Chris Evans is Chris Evans. Um yeah. But uh, and I agree with the opening shot as well. I think that's great. I think it, it it just sets up the film really well, and it's such an Edgar Wright style shot. Um, mm. 
like and there's so many Edgar Wright-isms in this that like I love all of them like you know we mentioned him jumping out the window that's a very Edgar Wright sort of Cornetto trilogy sort of shot uh, him getting ready for the final battle and he's like tying his shoelaces and it's like really slow and then it has him like running out that's great um, oh yeah, I love that bit. Yeah. That is great, isn't it? Yeah. I, I, that, I was <laughs> genuinely laughing at. That. I'd it's forgotten like, about that bit when I rewatched it. I was like, oh yeah, it's so that. good. Um, I actually really like. You know, there's a lot of like, as I said, I like the things that make it its own medium um, that you can't do with, say, the comic. Um, and I really like that they do integrate some of the comic stuff into this. Like, I like when they have the artist who who did the comic having his like bits where we see the past of the every X and they've drawn the, the yeah. comic panels. That's great. Mm-hmm. I love when we see Scott's terrible hair. Like that's really good too. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's like a side drawing. Uh, that's really good as well. But I do love, like, as I mentioned, the things that are like inherently a film medium. So having Legend of Zelda's music in the background is great. I like mm. there's like a Seinfeld reference. Like he comes into the flat with Wallace. Yeah, it's like, like a sitcom. Yeah, yeah, like that's great. Like you wouldn't have that in the comic, whereas you do in the film. And that's something I really, really enjoyed. So I like when the medium of the film does its own thing. And and I think they when it does do that, I think it does it really, really, really well. Um, I do think that they do the negative Scott in a different way to the comic, which obviously yeah. in the comic, it's a big emotional payoff. Whereas in this... It's just a gag at the end, and I do. Mm-hmm. Do you know what? It's a funny gag. I think it's really funny when yeah. they're walking out together. Yeah, we'll have to do that sometime, man. Yeah, that sounds great. Like I we're think that's get, really. We're good. gonna get brunch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I like those sort of things, but I would agree with Simone. Like the big highlights, you know, Envy and and Todd. That like the cinematography and that 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 bit is amazing. It's really really good. Um, but yeah, just all in all, a good time. No alcohol required, you know? And I <laughs> chuckled to myself there. I laughed at my own little joke. So <laughs> Um Yeah, I think you 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 both nailed most of the big the some of the big set points in there. Obviously the um the Clash of Demon Head uh, performance of Black Sheep is amazing. The opening sequence really, like you say, sets the tone for the film. Um, there's just little bits in there that I like as well. Obviously, we spoke about the Crash and the Boys bit when they do their songs, yeah. and it's just like two seconds long, and and um, Wallace is shouting at them from the uh, <laughs> from the balcony, <laughs> and and Stephen Stills is having a complete meltdown backstage. I think that whole bit. I I, I actually think Stephen Stills is one of my favorites. He's just so wired and neurotic the whole time that he's worried that he's not going to be able to get his record label and stuff and i think a lot of the supporting cast are great um my favorite moment has to be our favorite little gag is when uh, it's different in the comics but in the film he goes up to Cuomo and says, hey, have you seen a girl with hair like this? And he just shingles <laughs> her hair. And then he immediately knows who he's talking about. It's like, how do you know from that? But um, I want that in a T-shirt. That, uh, that sketch. <laughs> the little drawing. Yeah, yeah that'd be great. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so finally, to finish, I want to just get from you guys your favorite one line from the film, if you have one. Oh. Simone. Uh, Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Definitely. Especially if it's Michael Sarah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Michael. I'm sorry. I mean, I've I've heard you're a lovely guy. He's so <laughs> nice. He'll forgive you. Uh, Ian, thirty seconds. What's yours, Chris? Mine is uh, it's it probably goes back to Wallace is giving 
is heckling Crash and the boys, and they go, this one's for the next guy who keeps heckling us in the audience. It's, it's called We Hate You, Please Die. He goes, great, I love this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, one of my favourite, actually, is when he has the spinning thing in his head when Ramona's like, do you know her? And it spins, and it, like, sits in between yeah. I need to pee. And, and there's like I can't remember what the other one is, and he just goes. I don't know I need her. To pee on. Oh yeah, I don't know her. I need to pee on her. <laughs> yeah, I've actually, I've actually remembered what my actual favorite line is. It's when the vegan police pop in. Yes, which I can't believe we haven't spoken about. Because <laughs> it might be one of the funniest sections of the film. I mean, Thomas James in it as well. Jeez, but That's when amazing. he break in and he goes. Uh, reads him his first. I goes, you knowingly ingested gelato. Goes gelato isn't vegan. It's milk and eggs. And then when he gets the chicken parmesan, chicken's not vegan. <laughs> yeah, and then they just take all his vegan powers away. And he's like, See, first, oh, God, that is so good. I, it is funny we haven't mentioned that bit. Now we're talking about that. The whole vegan thing. There's. One of the lines, which is so funny, it's like, you only use 10% of your brain because the other 90% are filled with curds and whey. (laughs) (laughs) And then she's like, I don't think that makes sense. Well, if if you'd read the science, I'd be listening to you. Yeah. (laughs) And and then Edby's just like, being vegan just makes you better than everyone else. (laughs) (laughs) And then it might be the cheesiest line is... uh, once you were vegan, now you will be, be gone. gone. Yeah. Just yeah. <laughs> I yeah, I think actually maybe the more I think about Todd and that whole sequence, I think that might also be one of the best sequences. Him freezing him like he does is cinematography. What's the word you used a minute ago? Cinematography. No, but Chris would create a Cho- new choreographically. Oh no, that's not what I was going for. No, but the cinematography of it <laughs> is is awesome when he's floating and it becomes like a bullseye. Like that's amazing. Uh, but then just the comedy of it is hilarious with the veganism. It's so good. And if you listen closely, you can hear Scott screaming the whole time they're talking about Cod's curtain yeah. way. Yeah, when he's like, up in the air. A... Yeah, in the background, it's amazing. Little details like that. It's great. Oh well. I think that's all we have time for this week, guys. Um, oh, thank yeah. you both for joining me again. It's been a while, but it's always nice. Yeah. Um, hope you had fun. Yeah. No, Every no, time. no. It was no? Okay. <laughs> I was going to say that. That never got awkward. No. Off air. Off air. No, I'm <laughs> cut that. Cut that. Cut that. Um, so, yeah. Thank you, Simone. Thank you, Ian. Um, thank you to Yuki Film Review for support, as always. And um, Thank you, Chris, as well. Oh, you oh. always... You always host the these and you do such a good job. So thank you. Oh, thanks, guys. Appreciate Aww. it. Um, we appreciate you. Oh, you guys. Aww, yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, and of course, thank you to all of you listening at home. Um, we really appreciate you listening and we do um, appreciate you tuning in every week to listen to us. Babylon about comics and films so um please if you are listening please don't forget to like and subscribe and share with your friends and we will see you next time thank you goodbye bye, bye.